This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Paranormal. I'm Christy Brower with my co-host, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. We're excited to be here with you today. We have a brand new three-part series to share with you. But before we get started with that, let's do our check-in. Katie, how are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. You can see from my face, I've had a little sun. (laughs) (laughs) Got the raccoon eyes. I've got the raccoon eyes. I end up with these every single summer, thanks to softball. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, But it's okay. You know what? I wouldn't trade it for anything. So it's good. We are just... uh, I feel like crazy busy and at the same time, not doing a lot, you know, (laughs) playing ball and staying home mostly, but that's taken up enough time and we're still, you know, hip deep in the Vallow case with new stuff all the time. So, you know, there'll be something new from us on that soon, but Mm -hmm. you know, I, I feel like just, yeah. And researching a lot of cases, you guys have thrown some really interesting cases our way, some well-known ones, some that have like never been done both and we we want to do them all justice so lots and lots of research and work and reading and thinking mm-hmm. and all of that kind of uh you know <laughs> what am i trying to say all, researching and you know all that journalistic stuff so it's good yeah it is it's a lot of fun and and we certainly mm-hmm. appreciate those case suggestions and you know keep them coming remember that we like to take cold cases we don't take solved cases because part of what we do is we uh, do a, a read on it. What what do we think happened? Mm-hmm. And uh, so remember that. But but definitely send us your cases. We we love mm-hmm. to uh, yeah. learn about them, and we certainly are going to enjoy producing them as well. Mm-hmm. The only solved cases that we'll probably ever take are ones that uh, were solved under mysterious or, or you know sketchy circumstances, right? Possibly solved, but possibly not. Yeah, yeah, questionable stuff for sure. For sure. Well, I'm doing well. Also, I had oral surgery on Monday, but I feel like I'm speaking great today and doing just fine. So other than that, I'm just enjoying summer. Yeah. We had a barbecue yesterday. It was beautiful. It's so nice to be able to be outside and yeah, doing the same, not really other than like softball and Mm -hmm. that's about it. Not really going anywhere. No, no. You know, if you're listening to this in the future, that's because it's the COVID-19 period of history. (laughs) Yeah, and our area is exploding right now. Yes, our area is exploding, and it's scary. You know, we're we're in Idaho. We're a very rural state. Mm -hmm. So, of course, we are behind the curve as far as as it's taken longer for the cases Mm -hmm. to hit here. I mean, we've had them all along, but people don't live as close together, lots of small communities that are separated. And so it's just taken longer, which has given people a false sense of security that, Hey, we're not going to really have a big problem, but no, we definitely do. We have a huge problem. We just broke 10,000 cases. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are only 1.7 million people in the entire state of Idaho, if that gives you some perspective. So we don't hate that, you know, it's great, but yeah, people are very complacent or very uh, defiant. And yes, that's the biggest, very defiant. Yeah. They don't uh, 
want to acknowledge that COVID is real. They don't want to wear a face mask, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we, we don't have to get into all of it, but no. you know, people super, are- just super fearful. I think just mm-hmm. if you don't admit that it's real, then you don't have to take responsibility for it. That's how it feels mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. That by not acknowledging it, then you don't have to take responsibility for it. And that uh, I, I think is is very much about fear. And I get it. You know, we've never lived through a global mm-hmm. pandemic before. Yeah. It is scary. But, yeah, it is. I mean, you it know. sucks. But yeah, anyway, we've all got to do our part. But yeah, we do. So yeah, my, me and mine too. Mostly yeah. just staying home. No, or just doing what we can. Through a drive through. <laughs> yes, yes. That too. Okay. Well, we are going to kick off a three-part series here on True Crime Paranormal. And this is a case that is local to us, although it did hit the national news when it initially happened. It was just Mm -hmm. the five-year anniversary of the missing toddler, Dior Dior Kuntz. And Dior would have been two at the time. He -hmm. would be seven now. Um, he has been missing for five years with, um, really no solid evidence at all about what's happened to him. And so we're going to outline this case in a three part series. So this, this episode is about just the basics, what happened, who, what, where, when, how, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. In our second uh, segment, then we will go into the players in the case, um, how they, you know, what they had to say when they were interrogated, the theories behind what's happened. We're going to go visit the campground where he, um, where his family was when they reported him missing, which Mm -hmm. is in a place called Ledor, which Mm -hmm. is 120 miles from where we are right now. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go out there and visit so that you can, we can show you some footage of of the campsite in Ledor. Uh-huh. Um, you'll get a feel for rural Idaho for sure. Mm-hmm. And then and in the store, the store and the uh, store. Yes. There was a store where some people witnessed members of his family uh, stopping there. Mm-hmm. And then in our third episode, we will do a psychic read on what we feel happened to Dior, what the, what the real story is and, and what we think is going to happen going forward. So mm-hmm. this case I have, I'm constantly watching myself in video. I don't know if you guys know this, but you when have you a little alfalfa hair back I do. There. When you video your show, you look at yourself the entire time. <laughs> I cannot fix it. Oh well. Um, <laughs> you video yourself the whole time. You're looking at yourself, and so it's very distracting. And at times, you notice that oh, I have a piece of hair standing straight up, probably because of my headset. That's fantastic. So anyway, sorry for it. the squirrel it's... moment. But th- so that's the three <laughs> part series we're gonna. Eyebrows. Can't ever leave the eyebrows alone. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, right now, I cannot. Mm-hmm. Yep, I know. It's so weird. <laughs> it's weird to stare at yourself for an hour in on video. It really is. Yeah. But that's our three-part series on Dior Kuntz. We're going to outline the story of what happened today. Mm-hmm. And then in our next episode, we will talk about the players, their interrogations, the... Um, the investigation. We're going to go out to Ledor and show you the campsite. We're going to show you the store. And then in the third installment, we're going to do a psychic read on this case and tell you what we feel has happened to Dior Kuntz and kind of what we think the resolution of it will be. This case really set our area on fire. It it did. It definitely did. This was five years ago, but long before the Daybell Vallow case, but kind of a similar response in the community, wouldn't you say? Oh, well, just recently, it was the five-year anniversary. There were some posts on local news about it, and all of the same old fights just flared up again. You yep. know, 
people that are absolutely certain the parents did it. They should be behind bars. This is just like the Casey Anthony case and blah, blah, blah. And then the other people that are like, the parents are innocent. You guys need to get off of them and you've destroyed their lives. And, you know, because uh, the, the parents of this uh, this case, that they, they received many death threats. Mm-hmm. I mean, they became very unsafe where we live because people were so sure that they were guilty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the court of public opinion, you know, is, as always, is alive and well. You know? and, well. And I'm not saying they are or they aren't right now, but, mm-hmm. man, it was inflammatory. It, yes, it was very, very much so. It was just also something that dominated our news daily for a long period of time. There were uh, billboards all over the community with the picture of Lil Dior, two years old, mm-hmm. um, you know, t- trying to help see if anybody had seen him or saw anything that might help. Mm-hmm. Of course, there have also been um, private investigators involved in this case, which may or may not have helped the situation. And we're, we're going to talk about that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that were very, very loud in the public eye. Very yes. Loud in the press. Yeah. yeah. Very much so. So that this is a big story. You might have heard of it because mm-hmm. it, it certainly did hit the national news. It's pretty quiet and pretty cold at this point, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And it was one reason why we felt like maybe now would be a good time for us to cover it. Yeah. And it is so one we, that we, we have talked about for years. Mad because, you know, because everyone who lives here has an idea of what they think. Happened. Oh, yeah. Everybody you, know. you meet anybody on the street and you ask them what happened to Dior Kuntz, they're going to have an answer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to give you ours um, at the end of this, but yeah. in the third segment. Oh, if we offend you, you know, we still love you. But yeah, yeah. it's OK. We're we're, we're going to give you what, what we get with. We have been working on and reading this case all along, as we do lots mm-hmm. of cases, just because that's kind of our thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've had a, an answer for a long time about what happened to this little boy. However, uh, we've never shared it publicly before. So we will do that um, at the end. But let's start with the timeline. Yeah. So this all started on Friday, July 10th. Yeah. On Friday, July 10th, Dior Kuntz Jr., which is the little boy and his father. So they're both Dior Coons. Um, his mother, his great-grandfather, and a family friend traveled 120 miles from Idaho Falls to Timber Creek Campground in Ledor, Idaho. Mm-hmm. So now, it, they, they did live with the great-grandfather. That's right. They did live and with the great-grandfather. The family friend was someone who uh, the parents had never met before, Dior, Dior's parents. Mm-hmm. He was a friend of a grandpa. Yes. Um, and it's been said that that was a very last late uh, or, or last minute decision to take this little uh, camping trip mm-hmm. uh, at any rate. But yes, the, the family friend was somebody that nobody knew except for grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get into him a little more later. Yeah. So this is a very remote place. It's two and a half hours from Idaho Falls, which is where I live. Mm-hmm. So on that day at 2.28 p.m., Dior's mother, her name is Jessica Mitchell, called 911 and reported that her son, Dior, was missing. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, search crews show up to look for this baby. Now, you have to understand that um, children going missing this time of year while camping is not that unusual. Um, We live Mm -hmm. in a very rural area. We just had a little little kid, I think in Utah, that went missing and and was, like, missing overnight. And they found him. He wasn't too, he was older, but Mm -hmm. kids going missing, kids falling in canals and lakes and rivers and all kinds of things like that happen this time of year where we live. Because if you live here, it's because you love to be outdoors and doing outdoors kinds of things. And so camping is a very common one and being out in rural areas is very common. 
So on Saturday, July 11th, there were searchers out in the Letter Campground area on horseback, on ATVs, on foot, and in the water. So they had a very comprehensive search. They focused on a two and a half mile radius around that campground. Um, you know, they really didn't think that a two-year-old was going to get that far on their own. Uh, there was a big concern about the creek that was only 15 yards away from the campsite. Mm-hmm. And this area has been searched many times. It has been searched with cadaver dogs. It has been searched from the air. It has been searched in every way you can possibly think of to search it. So has the creek. Uh, but yeah. they did a huge search on Saturday, July 11th. Yeah. So on Sunday, July 12th, the Lemhi County Sheriff's Office, so that's the county of Ledor, uh-huh. um, they had about 200 volunteers showing up to look for Dior. Um, people referred to this as this uh, two-year-old baby just vanished. He just disappeared. Mm-hmm. So about 200 people go out into the wilderness looking for him. Um, those efforts were suspended after not finding anything. They've found absolutely nothing, not a track, not a scent from a dog, not a piece of clothing, a shoe, nothing. Nothing. And a couple of things to note. So when he initially disappeared, his parents said that the friend had gone fishing. Yes. Grandpa had gone in to lay down. Mm-hmm. And that Jessica and Dior Sr. had wanted to explore the campground and had told Grandpa that he was in charge of little Dior. Yes. Grandpa has always claimed that he never heard anyone tell him anything, but uh, he was great grandpa and was quite deaf. And so, but so that that's the uh, the initial, you know, synopsis of what happened. Yeah. Um, they also had said that he was wearing cowboy boots that were much too big that he was clunking around in. Mm-hmm. And they had really felt like, uh, you know, he had a hard time keeping them on his feet. And they had felt like, you know, had he been drugged away by an animal or something like that, likely he may have lost one or more of his boots. But n- no boots were found. No boots were ever found. No. Yeah. No. And, um, yeah, the, the stories are interesting and at times conflicting between the witnesses over time things changed fairly significantly but yeah initially yes as is the timing but they did initially indicate that they looked for him for nearly an hour i think before they called 911 Mm -hmm. thinking that he may have just wandered off into the trees and that they would locate him that's Mm -hmm. that's the story that they that they've told right initially Yeah. yeah initially um by Monday, July 13th, the parents are stating that they don't think that he's lost, but that they think he may have been abducted. And so there's a there's a public plea for his safe return. And that evening, there was a candlelight vigil here in Idaho Falls of about 200 people for his safe return. And so this shifted mm-hmm. a little bit from a missing person to potentially an abduction for a while, mm-hmm. although there was never any evidence at all that he was abducted. This was just something that came from the parents. Mm -hmm. So in the, in the next few days, search efforts continue around the, the campground. Um, They, they have dive crews go into the stone river reservoir, which is a quarter of a mile away from where they were camping. Um, Seems really unlikely that a two-year-old child in 
two big cowboy boots was going to make it a quarter of a mile on their own, but they did um, mm -hmm. dive, you know, and search in that reservoir for the baby. Mm -hmm. um, the parents remained in the campsite uh, and, and helped with the search during that time. Mm -hmm. So then on July 16th, someone from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children arrived in Letter. And um, so they, you know, they're starting to treat this now as not just a lost child, but a truly missing child. Mm -hmm. um, national media starts covering the story, and that's when it hit the Nancy Grace show. This is why some of you may be familiar with this case. If you watch Nancy Grace, she did cover it mm -hmm. shortly after. Yeah. Um, shortly after he went missing. Well, about seven days after he went missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did call in Bonneville County uh, police in their dive team. That's where that's Idaho Falls is Bonneville County. And they have a sonar robot to assist in the dive team and the search in the water. Mm -hmm. And they had crews on horseback in the hills around that campground. So huge search effort, multi-day multi search effort, lots of different ways of the search happening. Well, and so many volunteers showing up. To so many. Uh, so many. They had to start turning them away. Over. Yeah. They finally started telling people you're, you're getting in our way. Yeah. They really no felt problem. like at this point they needed professional searchers. Mm -hmm. um, still find nothing. Absolutely yeah. no evidence whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Then on Saturday, July 18th, this is Dior Sr.'s birthday. Um, and he's still spending his time out there at the campground uh, while they continue to search. Mm-hmm. And after, let's see, so, but at this point, the Timber Creek Campground has been searched dozens of times. They have scoured the stone, uh, the stone reservoir and the creek. They have found absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at this point, the search is basically over. I mean, they have searched everywhere they could search over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so for a long period of time, really not anything happens. Mm -hmm. Um, a few, you know, at, at this point, then what happens is they really turn toward the family members, the, mm -hmm. the parents, the great grandfather and the friend mm -hmm. to try to clarify their stories. And when that happens, things start to get a little dicey because they don't line up all that mm -hmm. well. And one thing that they find is if they, when they interviewed the parents, their story changed over time as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, dad seems unwilling to let mom speak and yes. continues to speak over her and contradict mm -hmm. her. And that made uh, investigators and, and people very uncomfortable, his behavior and hers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they did go to a little store that's in Letter near this campground. Mm -hmm. And they did find that there were people there who remembered seeing this family. Mm -hmm. They were in a white pickup truck. Is that correct? Wasn't it a white truck? I so. Anyway, they do there there was there were witnesses that recalled seeing the adults, the parents of Dior Coons. Uh-huh. Uh no one from that store recalls seeing Dior himself. Mm -hmm. Which was another point of concern mm -hmm. uh, as far as this is concerned. But there so when we go from here, we get into a lot of wild stuff that happens, none of which involves any more information, really no more evidence of this right. child. Mm 
Um, when the parents were interviewed, they said that they believed that he had been abducted, except that no one ever saw another vehicle or another person. Yeah. So there was no evidence that there'd been another person in the area that wasn't accounted for. Yeah. Um, you know, they made this public plea to, you know, if somebody has him, please don't hurt him and just bring him home safely. Um, they, you know, continued to say that they believe that he has been kidnapped, although there was no evidence of that at all. Mm -hmm. uh, let's yeah. see. So here's, I, I want to read, this is what um, Dear Kuntz Sr. said about the situation on Friday prior to Dior going missing. He says, we decided we were going to do a little exploring. It's such a small area. That's what a lot of people don't understand. They just assume, how could you let your kid out of your sight? Well, this area is pretty well blocked in, and there's no way that you couldn't see him. The family said they searched for him for about 20 minutes before they called 911. And, you know, the thing is, there was an immediate response of searchers yeah. from the air, on ATVs, on horseback. Like, there was no... They came immediately. It's not like yeah. there was time in between for someone to get away or for this child no. to get far away. That isn't the case. Well, so understand that in rural areas like this, there are teams of people called search and rescue. Yes. And there's search and rescue in every area around here. Um, I, I, I believe every county has their own or every area at least has their own search and rescue. Mm -hmm. And search and rescue is basically just made up of civilians. Yeah. And some law enforcement that team up together mm -hmm. to search. And so search and rescue was called out immediately. And, and many people answered the call and came. Yeah, right away. Yeah, they did. They came very fast. And so there's there's not a lot of time. But again, we only have the family's report about when the child went missing. You know, we don't know really for sure what happened prior to that. Mm -hmm. um, his mother, Jessica Mitchell, said he doesn't go anywhere without his blanket, his cup, or his monkey. Those were all three in the campground. Mm -hmm. um, they just continued to share his photo around for a long time. Everywhere you went and every gas station you went, grocery stores, everywhere, there was a picture of Dior Kuntz everywhere. Uh -huh. I mean, you could, not, everywhere. you could not miss that child if you ran into him on the street, for sure. Yeah. Because um, there was such a huge response from the community looking for him. Oh, but yeah. the but the thing that's so puzzling about all of that is that at no point was there any evidence found of this child, his clothing, his shoes, nothing, yeah. absolutely nothing in the area was located. Including tracking dogs and cadaver dogs. Yes. Couldn't Who have been out there anything. repeatedly, repeatedly. I'm not sure how many times now. I've lost track of how many times they have had tracking dogs and, and cadaver dogs out there in that campground, but it's multiple times. Well, and cadaver dogs did eventually find a bone mm -hmm. and people were so elated thinking maybe finally there was an answer here. There was something and it turned out to be an animal bone. Yes. Yeah. It, and that was, that's that the was only thing they, they ever found. found. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, was it potentially a big cat? Did a mountain lion take him a bear? Mm-hmm a wolf, even a coyote of the child that small. 
the the thing that I have trouble with with that is that no animal consumes a hundred percent of a human body. I mean, I hate to be morbid, but it's true. You know, they don't necessarily eat the bones, and they you know there are parts of someone that would still remain that cadaver dogs would find. Yeah, even if it was an animal that buries its kill, there's still something to be found. Yeah, not to mention that they don't consume clothing. Right. Right. And there's no clothing. There's nothing. Nothing anywhere around. And of course, uh, you know, dogs were taken all over the area. They covered a, a wide berth of area. Yeah. And there was absolutely no blood evidence. There was no scent evidence. Nothing. Yep. Nothing at all. Yeah. When uh, his grandmother said it's as if he just vanished. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as that area is concerned, there was nothing to find. Nothing to find. Over time, as you can imagine, with this child missing in a community that cares and and wants to know, things started to get ugly, as we know. Parents receiving threats. Eventually, the parents' relationship ended, mm-hmm. and they separated from one another. And then there was a lot of turning on each other that happened, mm-hmm. um, and 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 some finger pointing. Although never a clear story, really. Other than the story that's been given that clearly has never been able to be proven. Um, I think there have been at least two private investigators involved. Is it, um, is there more than that or is it two? I don't know. I just, I know Klein investigations. Klein investigations. I do believe there was one before that, that that got, that didn't go very far and then they switched. So Klein investigations got involved. I don't know, quite a while after Dior Mm -hmm. went missing Mm -hmm. and Klein investigations for better or worse. They, they seem to have a very clear idea of what happened and they've done a lot of finger pointing at the parents and a lot of pressure to the police and prosecutors in our area. The problem is they've done all of that with no evidence. There's no proof. Well, in January of 2016, they were named suspects. Yes. Jessica and Vernal. That's right. Dior. Dior. Yeah. Yeah. They were both named suspects, but that's as far as that ever went. Right. Yeah. Beyond beyond that, there's never been a charge Mm -hmm. of of any kind. And so the the private investigator, we're going to get into the private investigator more in the next episode, but very interesting because they seem to have a very clear picture of what they think happened. Um, the, The problem with that is that from a legal standpoint, you have to prove it. And that seems to be not possible at this point. There was some pressure Mm. in the media to get um, one parent to turn on another to tell the truth about what happened. Um, That has not happened. Although they, you know, there's been some nastiness and finger pointing. Neither parent has turned on the other to say that something happened with, with one of them or the other. The great grandfather died in 2019 so we have his statements, but he has passed away. So we cannot continue, um, you know, asking him what's happened. The family friend um, has gave a statement and I last I read has now declined to cooperate any further. So we will get into those statements and all of that in our next segment. But we wanted to we just wanted to kind of hammer this out, break it down for you that this is what happened. And, or this is what, as far as we know, this is what happened. So as this case, you know, moves further down the road, and as the 
private investigator uh, Klein, he was eventually uh, fired by the family and then yes. rehired by the community through some community funding. Right. That's right. The money that raised the, the, the fund that raised the money for the billboards also raised money to rehire client investigation. Mm -hmm. So there was like a GoFundMe or something like that, that yeah. a lot of local people had dumped money into. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, when they fired Klein, uh, because essentially it looked like, you know, that they fired Klein because he pointed the finger at them. Yes. He and did. so, which is what happened and the public then, yeah, fundraised and rehired him. And we'll talk about that a lot more later, but there was a lot of contention there and a lot of uh, challenges there. He, Klein, did not work well with uh, the FBI or with law enforcement yeah. in general. There was a lot of contention between them and ugliness in the press that um, is unfortunate because at the crux, there was a missing baby, you know, a missing yeah. child. And there was a lot of ego, you know, that flew mm -hmm. around. It got really um, petty for a long time. Yeah, really petty for sure. And in fact, uh, Jessica and and uh, Dior Senior, they or <laughs> Vernal. I I can't understand this. I guess he goes by both. Anyway, mm -hmm. we'll call him Vernal because that's easier. Since there's you know Dior is also the name of the missing child. Right. So Vernal is the dad, mm -hmm. Dior's dad. So Jessica and Vernal actually did try to sue Philip Klein uh, because of his behavior. In this case, they tried to sue him three times. And lost every time. And the last case uh, ended in October of 2019. Mm -hmm. So they've sued him three times over the years because of his behavior moving forward. Yes. Well, I believe also Klein sued them because they haven't paid their bill. Yeah. Yeah. So there's Basically, been a lot of nastiness mm -hmm. back and forth. This has kind of turned into this ugly litigation. Uh -huh. um, Instead and, of looking for a missing child. Right. Right. And, and, you know, for better or worse, client investigations has said, we've given you our report, you know, just mm -hmm. because you don't like what we said doesn't mean right. we didn't do our job, but they have mm -hmm. pointed the finger directly back at the parents. Mm -hmm. And there was a time, and I think mm -hmm. this was back in 2016 when the parents were named suspects. There was a time when client investigations released a statement that said that we should be watching as, as the public and, you know, we should be watching for arrests that they're imminent, mm -hmm. except that they never happened. That never happened. There never seemed to be any um, actual evidence to arrest on. Mm -hmm. And I feel like one important thing to say in this particular case, because we've talked in the Daybell Vallow case about sometimes people's privilege gets them not prosecuted for something they've done um, or a delayed prosecution, like in Chad Daybell's case. Mm -hmm. We haven't felt like that was the case in this situation. It does yeah. feel as though what really isn't there is evidence that there's a lot of supposition mm -hmm. that people got to have a lot of hunches and maybe there's even some circ circumstantial stuff, but there's nothing solid enough that they can hang charges with. Yeah. And it, and I've not seen anything that indicated to me that anyone was being protected or covered up or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's just that they just, there is no evidence. Mm -hmm. This kid literally vanished. There's, you know, in that particular situation. And there is no evidence whatsoever to charge anyone of anything. Yeah. And that's, yeah. it's, it's awful. It's awful for it to be left open-ended this long, five years. I can't imagine being the family of this little boy. I know we've seen his grandmother in the news a lot uh, mm -hmm. representing the family and about how painful and difficult this is for them. Yeah. 
in um, East Idaho News, in their um, news article about the five-year anniversary, they posted a picture that is a, an age progression photo of what he would look like now because he's mm-hmm. he would be seven, yeah. which, I mean, you think about how much a child changes from age two to age seven. It's mm-hmm. shocking, really, mm-hmm. to look at the photo, you know, because there are family members who hold out hope that he is living. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know... There's no evidence to say one way or the other, unfortunately. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a another hitch in the case. Uh, Ryan Wand, a gentleman, he was the friend, a guy the by friend. the last name, Ryan Wand. Yeah. Um, he's never been named a person of interest, but he's right. the only person whose story has remained consistent since the initial reports were filed. Yeah. The only one. Um, there's really... He's the only person that hasn't changed the story several times. You know, mom yeah. and dad did repeatedly. Uh, also should be noted that the parents did fail polygraph. Mm-hmm. They did. That's right. Grandpa died last summer. Yep. And so whatever he did or didn't know is gone with him. Yeah. And so there's nothing there. And at any rate, there's just a lot of information we don't have. But again, yes, there's a lot of information that uh, we are lacking. Now, law enforcement had initially said that um, dogs hadn't found anything. But Klein says that their dogs did find human blood. And that, that's been an inconsistency in this case because law mm-hmm. enforcement has never uh, acquiesced to that, that, that the dogs found anything. They, it has been their report that there was nothing. But, uh, you know, Klein investigations have claimed that with their own searchers, because what happened is that they brought in their own searchers because they felt like law enforcement wasn't being honest with them and wasn't doing a good job. So they claimed that their searchers did find that cadaver dogs did hit on five different locations, uh, including a site three-fourths of a mile from the campground, and that that may have been a holding site for some type of human body. Again, law enforcement denies it. They say that that's not true. They didn't find anything of the like, but this mm-hmm. is what client investigation said. It's just another inconsistency in the case, you know? Yeah. And that's been the biggest problem with this case is that the investigations on this case have been very conflicting uh, from law enforcement to the private investigator. The thing is, if they literally found blood, Dior's parents could have been tested and they could have identified if that was Dior's blood or not. Right. That would have come out years ago. Right. I, I really question because, you know, you go mm-hmm. out into a very rural place in Idaho and you release cadaver dogs and are they going to find stuff? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Does mm-hmm. it mean it's human unless it's actually been tested and proven to be human? No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. This is a very rural place. We have a lot of predators. You know, you're going to find yeah. blood. You're going to find, you know, potential decomposition. But does that mean it's human? Mm-hmm. And does that mean it's the it's this child? Right. No. And so I, I, I you know, I do question like, okay, yeah, anywhere in the wilderness here, you sent cab- cadaver mm-hmm. dogs out. Are they going to find evidence of some kind of a body? Right. Yeah. But without testing, you don't know what kind of body that was. Was it a human or an animal? How long has it been there? You know, there's a lot that 
just making blanket statements like that from Klein, I think is, is irresponsible because if they don't actually have the testing to back it up, it doesn't mean anything. And that's why the parents have sued him three times, you know, because he has put out all of these statements claiming things that law enforcement won't back up and muddying the waters. Right. Yeah. And that saga continues. I mean, I, I, I don't know what the resolution with, with Klein Investigations will be, but it has sort of turned the tide on the story about Dior away from mm-hmm. this missing child, which is unfortunate, and that we want to shift it back to that place of this mm-hmm. is about a missing two-year-old child. Totally. He deserves totally. justice. His family deserves justice. Mm-hmm. You know, the community deserves to know what happened to this kid. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's where it's at currently. Yeah, that is. And that's where we'll leave it for today. Mm-hmm. In our next episode, we will visit the campground out in Letor. Mm-hmm. We're going to take some film out there and we're going to mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the location. I think it will help a lot to be able to see the location to better understand this story. Uh, And to better understand, if you don't live in a rural place like we do, you might not understand what it looks like because you hear the word Mm -hmm. campground. This is not a KOA. This is this is a place out in this is a clearing in the trees with a fire pit. You know, I mean, that's the kind of campgrounds that we live around. So we'll Mm -hmm. we'll go out there and we'll we'll share that with you and we'll share Mm -hmm. some more about the specific um, interviews with Mm -hmm. Jessica Vernal. Great grandpa and Reinhardt. And we will, so we'll talk about, you know, what they've said happened. And we're going to talk a little bit about how some of their stories have changed Mm -hmm. and, and we'll go a little deeper. So, yeah. Yep. That's where it's at. It is. It is a case that again, has a lot of twists and turns and winding roads and Mm -hmm. it is, we will untangle them to the best of our abilities. We certainly will. We certainly will. So thank you for tuning in today here on True Crime Paranormal. I'm Christy Brower here with my co-host, Katie Weaver. Have a great day. Bye, guys. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.